Hello, Wildcats. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the first Wildcats. This is nasty stuff. Here he goes. Hold on to your hats, baby. <laughs> Certainly got some talent. No doubt about that. Need I say anymore? And one. Five on the clock. Cats need a two to tie it up. Oh, It's a matter of time when it's a matter of stats. It's a matter of time when it's a matter of stats. It's a matter of time when it's a matter of stats. Full cast corner, it's a matter of fat, fat, fat cats on top. Still humble, rubble bare knuckle. Welcome to the jungle. Red Army Order, Championship Order, Number One Reporter, Full cast corner. Alright Cool Cats and welcome back once again for Pod 35, can you believe it? 35 podcasts down, into free agency period now for NBL 20. This is the Cool Cats Corner and thanks for joining us in the corner once again. As is customary to mentioning, thank you once again to all of you guys who have come back to the podcast who have already subscribed out there and welcome to any new listeners as well. So my name is Mason DeLeo and I cover the Perth Wildcats here in the Cool Cats Corner. And it's been a couple of weeks now in between podcasts, so I've had a bit of a hiatus. We've been checking out all the stuff that's been going on this off-season, a crazy and hectic off-season indeed. COVID is now making its way through the NBL as well, so season just under four months away. Well, scheduled to be four months away, we'll see how it goes, but fingers crossed we get an NBL season on time. But in the midst of this free agency time, this week has been pretty slow, not a lot of signings to the NBL. However, if you've been following the Perth Wildcats, or if you've been following the Cool Cats Corner, you'll notice that the Perth Wildcats have had some serious news come upon them in the last week. So today I'll be touching on three pieces of Perth Wildcats news. Firstly, our fearless leader, Damo Martin, has retired. Secondly, the Wildcats have signed Australian boomer Todd Blanchfield. And thirdly, Jack Bendat is selling the Wildcats. So three really big bits of information to break down and catch up on. I'm going to touch on each piece in this podcast with a three-pronged approach and I'm going to try and add a little bit more of this pod. So full disclosure, I'll usually have a run sheet or I would have written an article which I've posted on to thecoolcatscorner.com, which I chuck up there. The articles, go check those out as well. But I'll generally tend to kind of reiterate what I've said there. But in this podcast today, I'm going to go a bit more ad lib. We're going to try and go off the top of the head and have a bit more fun with it. But make sure you do check those articles out on thecoolcatscorner.com. For Perth Wildcats news from a Perth Wildcats fan perspective, you can also catch us on Instagram at coolcatscorner or you can get me on Twitter as well at coolcatsmbl. But make sure you've subscribed to the podcast on whatever podcast platform you are listening to this on. If you've subscribed, reviewed, send me a screenshot of it and I'll make sure that I'll send you a personalized one-page report on any current Perth Wildcat on the roster at the moment. So if that sounds enticing to you, that's my little offer. You scratch my back and I'll scratch yours and we'll have no one being itchy. So it's all very exciting. Make sure you drop me your screenshots during the week and I'll swing you through a page review. 
But this is very exciting. In 35 episodes into the podcast, finally to wrap up the show, I'm going to be answering some mailbag questions. So we'll have our first ever mailbag segment in the corner. And I put it up on Instagram this week to send through some questions. We got some good thought-provoking questions come through and I'm going to give you my best answer as possible. But without further ado, let's get into this. We are the Cool Cats Corner podcast covering the Perth Wildcats run at an NBL 3 Pete. Free agency is underway, guys. And now, so are we. So let's get on to it. Okay, and let's kick off the show today by honoring one of the greatest Perth Wildcats of all time. So you've probably heard and seen all the deserved love for Damo around NBL circles. And as Perth Wildcats fan, we know the value of what Damo means to this city and this team. What I would say though is a bit of cross-pod promotion is that I would highly recommend you guys go check out the NBL podcast with Adam Gibson and Damo. So one-on-one with Gibbo. It's a great interview in which these two players who have actually competed for the same position on the Boomers Olympics teams all these years they've been in the NBL together. They actually sit down together and chewed some fat. And I actually ended up hitting up Gibbo on Instagram after listening to the podcast. And I had to let him know how good of a job that he'd actually done. And he was actually kind enough to hit me back as well. So shout out Adam Gibson of the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, continuing to engage with the NBL public and putting out this content. It's just fantastic. But in the interview itself, Damo does bring up a quote that Gaze had. And that was the fact that Gaze told Damo that good offense will always be good defense. Damo then posed this question to Adam Gibson. Would great defense always beat great offense? So an interesting thing to think about there. So Damo's ability to defend all the way up the court was evident his entire career. There's no one else that you'd want defending for your city when it comes down to crunch time minutes, the game's in the balance, and you need to stop. But definitely an interesting question posed to Gibbo there by Damo. So Gaze obviously has the MVP trophy named after him and Damo the Defensive Player of the Year trophy. Great offense, great defense. What comes out on top? Definitely something to ponder. But in the interview as well, something that Damo did mention was Darnell Mee's defensive strategy. The fact that he made you beat him twice before getting a basket. Something Damo said completely changed the way he played the game. Damo made sure that no one would beat him just once before they got a basket for the rest of his career. So you all know how good Damo was defensively. He got the job done offensively and he was one hell of a captain. But I want to honor Damo today in a little bit of a different way. I want to touch on something that no one has actually touched on in the NBL so far in all their reporting. And as is customary with Perth Wildcats, I want to give Damo a few more accolades. So bear with me. Whilst working my way through my daily reading of hoops.com.au, fantastic site, jump on there, I saw a question appear about how many Good Hands awards would Damo have won if the NBL was still awarding them. Now, the Good Hands award, it's important to note that it was actually run between 1990 and 1999, and past winners included Shane Hill, Andre Lafleur, Daryl McDonald, D-Mac, and Derek Rucker. So there are four huge names who have won the award. But it's a great question, I thought. So the award was actually given to the player who at the end of the season tallied the highest average assists per game, steals per game, and then you subtract turnovers per game. So when you think back to Damo's career, these are all three areas where he excelled. His ability to facilitate with the ball, defend the ball handler, and protect the rock. So I ran the numbers back until the NBL 2010 season to find out how many good hands awards Damo would have won. And in addition to his six NBL championships, six Defensive Players of the Year awards, We could also add four Good Hands awards. So after crunching the numbers, Damo would have won 2010 as Kevin Braswell that year only played seven games and would not have made him eligible. Damo also would have won outright in 2014, 15 and 19, beating out Jason Caddy in 2019 who was in second place. It's also interesting to note that Damo finished second in 2012, 2018, 
third in 2013, fourth in 2011 and 2017, fifth in 2016, and his worst finish in the last 11 years was ninth, and that was only last season. So between the years of 2010 and 2019, Damo finished in the top three of this award, seven out of the 10 years, which is just incredible. So good thing as well they took that award away because Damo would have a few of them to his tally. So we here at the Cool Cats Corner thought it would be appropriate to award Damo our own good hands trophies for the years 2010, 2014, 2015, 2019. Damo, if you ever want those, just stop past in the corner, my friend. Happily give those out. Maybe you can give me a quick photo as well. But a legend, Mr. Defensive Player of the Year, six-time NBL champion, and one hell of a good guy. Shout out to our captain with the most heart, Demos. Enjoy retirement, my man. Okay, so the second bit of Perth Wildcats news and our first signing in this free agency period was the signing of Todd Blanchfield. Now, Toddy Blanchfield is one hell of a player, 28 years old, boomer, in the peak of his career. And what I wanted to bring up with you guys today was an article written by Brad Winter of Pick and Roll. So Pick and Roll providing a lot of good content out there for Australian readers. They've recently changed up their site. They themselves have gone to a subscription service. So make sure you jump on there, subscribe and and get all their good stories as well. But Brad Winter's article, he mentioned that Blanchfield's move to the Cats was extremely un-Wildcat-like. And I do tend to agree. He goes on to point out the fact that the Wildcats don't usually go after high-profile locals who have already hit their prime. The last player we did that with was Nate Jawai in 2013, and that was the beginning of the Gleason era. Since that point, we really haven't seen a move of this Blanchfield type. But with the move from three imports to two imports, this out-of-character move was probably necessary to allow the Wildcats to put together a competitive team in NBL 21. The article then goes on to explain that Blanchfield is not a like-for-like replacement for Tariko White, as Tariko is undoubtedly a better defensive player. Again, I agree with this. However, in my own article on thecoolcatscorner.com, I run through the analytics behind what a move from Tariko to Todd means offensively for the Wildcats. The more you dig into the analytics, the better you realize the fit is. So when I look deeper into the stats rather than look at the artificial box score, and sure, when you do look at the box score, even in a down year, Tariko seemed to outplay Todd. That being said, when you look past that and you drill down the play type and shot selection, it paints a more accurate picture of what to expect from Todd and the Wildcats. So using statistics from jordanmacknbl.com, I took the top 10 play types used by teams in the NBL season last year. For your reference, they were transition, isolation, pick and roll ball handler, pick and roll pop man, post up, spot up, handoff, cut, off screen and put back. So 10 play types that it was broken down into. I then worked out what Trevor Gleason and the Wildcats prefer to run in NBL 20 and what would suit Todd's game. So I guess when you look at the Venn diagram, what the Wildcats do, what Todd does well, where does it meet in the middle? So as Bryce is re-signed and the offense will probably be built around him once again in NBL 21, it's fair to assume that we'll be looking at similar offensive sets from Gleason, and using this NBL 20 data is probably appropriate for projecting future performance. So it turns out of the 10 play types measured, Perth ran more pick and roll pop man, post up, handoff, cut plays and off screen plays when compared to the rest of the league. So interestingly, four out of the five plays in which Perth run more often than the rest of the league, 
Todd Blanchfield actually generates more points per play than Tariko White when running those four plays. In those four plays, these are the points per play. So this means when Gleason goes to this play set, this is the output the play is going to provide for you in terms of points. So on a post-up play, Blanchfield 1.14, White 0.67, so almost twice as much. On handoff plays, 1.14 to Blanchfield again, White 0.8. On cut plays, 1.3 points per play to Blanchfield, 1.23 for White. And then the last one's pretty interesting, and that's off screens. And these are the down screens you see so often in the Perth Wildcats offense. So when you see Bryce Cotton or Clint Stein darting across the baseline and they're picking up that down screen, this is that off screen type play. So interestingly, Perth run 9% of their plays off screen, whereas the NBL average is only 4%. So this is all part of the game where Trevor differentiates the offense from the rest of the league and a reason as to why the Wildcats are so special. Luckily for Trevor, he has a guy who he knows is lethal off screen and can knock down the long ball. So one more time for your reference. Off screen, Blanchfield knocks in 1.11 points per play and Tariko 0.82. So you can see how much more effective Blanchfield is in this offense than Tariko in this aspect. So that's just one little way that we're going to differentiate between the two players. But get excited, Perth Wildcats fan, because I promise we've got a fantastic Australian small forward, which has freed up an import spot, which is going to be used on a very important power forward spot to replace Nick K. And we all know how important Nick K was last year. So getting this Australian three, this Australian small forward, a position which is really tricky to come past in Australian basketball. We have a boomer in our squad now. And I know the word boomer holds a lot of weight, but seriously, Blanchfield can ball out. And he's the first piece we needed. He alongside Bryce Cotton are good foundational pieces from which a team can grow from. We have three more spots to fill in free agency before our roster is complete, but this is a really, really good start. So I'm looking forward to it. All right, and on to the next segment, guys. And our last news segment that's come across my desk this week is that Mr. Jack Bendat is going to sell the Perth Wildcats. 95-year-old Mr. Bendat has made a decision to sell the Wildcats, as reported by the NBL. There hasn't been much made about this story, but I don't want to speculate too much until we know the full story. Rather, what I want to do is give you guys some simple stats to show you how important Jack has been to the Wildcats since buying the team. So this is the Bendat effect. So checking out some Ben stats. So let's look at the comparison between the Perth Wildcats under Mr. Bendat's ownership and when it's not. Mr. Bendat has owned the team for 14 seasons, meaning that there were 25 seasons in which Mr. Jack Bendat was not the owner. In the 14 years ownership, Mr. Bendat has won five championships. In the 25 years he wasn't the owner, the Wildcats also managed five championships. That being said, Bendat brings home NBL gold once every three years, roughly. The Cats without Bendat we're managing a championship every five years. So you can see their immediate impact. Bendat's winning percentage as a Wildcat owner is 64%. Without Mr. Bendat, the Wildcats would only manage to win 57% of their games. A Jack Bendat-owned Wildcats team would generally finish with an impressive regular season record on average of 18 wins and 10 losses. This is opposed to a team of 16 wins and 12 losses without him. Mr. Bendat's Wildcats would generally win 61% of their final series games, which is just incredible. And this is compared to the 53% when he wasn't an owner in the past. Bendat has helped produce three NBL MVPs, Lish in 2012 and Bryce Cotton twice more recently. 
until Jack's ownership, we had only managed one Wildcat MVP, and that was Paul Rogers in 2000. It's also important to note that before Ben had arrived, the Wildcats had only produced nine NBL first teamers in their first 25 years. In the 14 years that followed under Bendat, the Perth Wildcats managed another 13 first teamers. Now, I know what you're thinking. Jack has the money and therefore he can afford better talent and this is evidenced by the amount of first teamers we've seen under his ownership. Yeah, sure. But money generally helps a team. And that's not a big secret. But the fact is Jack committed the money, the time, the resources to our great basketball club. He invested into making us the NBL juggernaut that exists today. He took a club which was sitting pretty with five championships in 25 years and turned that into a club that had won a record 10 championships in 39. He has ensured that we've kept our long-standing finals record alive and he's been instrumental in continuing to engage the Perth Wildcats with the community. Looking back on Jack Bendat's 14 years in charge, all you can see is success. The man oozes it. And it's going to be very sad when he does finally sell the team. Hopefully... He still manages to contain some form of controlling share and there's still that bend that touch to our Perth Wildcats team because what he's created, the culture he's created and what he's helped foster with the community as well has just been first class. So Jack Bender, I'm not sure what's happening. I'm not sure the hands we're going to be getting put into. Make sure you're keeping an eye on the Instagram as well because I'm going to post any new news stories surrounding the ownership of the Wildcats on there as well. But until that time, we are still a bend that own Wildcats team. And that's the segment for you guys. And we're going to finish up with some mailbag right after this little segue here. Enjoy. All right, and welcome to the first ever mailbag. This is very exciting. I'm very happy to be doing this. I'm, I feel very honored uh, to have some some cool cats send through some questions on the Instagram. I chucked that up there, not knowing if we'd get some questions come through, but we got a fair few, and I've picked out my favorites, so I'm going to bring those to you right now. And the first question I've received is from uh, Cool Cat Kurt out there, so thanks very much for hitting us up, Kurt. And it's a really good question, and it is, plug one retired cat into the current lineup, who, why, and is it an automatic trophy in 2021? So, when I think about this, I immediately think a big. So, if I could bring back James Ennis, that'd be my pick every time, but obviously not a retired player. I then think back to Ricky Grace, but look, honestly, at the guard position, we're looking pretty solid. Unless we move Norton back to the uh, backup position, we played Bryce and Ricky, which would be just incredible. That being said, I don't know if we can win going that short. We only have Majok Majok as our big at the moment, and I really do think we need some big help. Pardon the pun. So who do I look at? I look at all these Wildcats legends. We have Wildcats bigs coming out our behind, but we have Vlahov, Crawford, Redditch. They're three names which I could immediately plug into this team. But as far as premier power forwards go, I'm going to have to go with the fish, Scotty Fisher. So he is the plug and play we are desperately looking for right now. And I wish he was 20 years younger, but Vlahov himself would have been a great selection here. But as far as generating points go and putting a grown man on the court to replace another grown man in Nick K. I'd have to go Scott Fisher. So Scott himself finished with career averages of 22 points per game on 52% shooting, almost 40% from three for a career, which is incredible. 3.6 offensive rebounds a game, 6.2 defensive, three assists and 1.4 steals a game. A perfect plug and play for Nick K here. If we were to bring in Scotty Fisher, prime Scotty Fisher, 
I would be confident that we'd be in the box seat to secure the NBL 21 title. We'd need another shot-blocking center because the fish wasn't amazing internally as far as protecting the rim goes. He was professional at keeping players out of the paint. But yeah, in terms of protecting the rim, having that shot block, we definitely need to sign someone else. That's a great question there, Cool Cat Kurt. Thanks for that. And we're going to move on to the next. All right. So the next question comes in from Cool Cat James. And the question is, which NBL team do you think would dominate if the ring height was lowered to child size? Um, And I'm going to assume that child size is eight foot hoop here. So thanks for the question, James. And it's an interesting question. And I'd say that a team that would probably dominate an eight foot hoop would be guys who can create space off the dribble and pass the ball effectively. You'd have to be able to move the shot blockers when getting into the lane. And that being said, people would be pulling up from absolutely everywhere expecting to knock it down. Those seven footers would just get frustrated watching the balls essentially sail past their head into the basket and not touching it because it'd be a goaltend. But you've got to think coaching as well. And which coach would be able to navigate space around the court to create easy shots for his team, especially with this eight foot hoop? So I guess, I guess the premise of the game doesn't really change too much, but the need for bigs probably isn't there. So I'd go with a small ball type of lineup, a, a small ball being the new tall ball with the seven footers not not being anywhere near the court because they'd have to go be window washers or something because I don't think that they'd last in the eight foot hoop, but just speculating. But my pick for this one would have to be out of Perth and New Zealand, probably more favoring Perth. So Perth because Gleason and Cotton are together. And I know we don't really have any current bigs on the roster right now, but if, if the ring set at eight foot, we're already on the right path. We've got the game plan already. So I think that'd be a really good pick having Gleason navigate the court bringing this new element to what I feel like he adapts really well. And then having someone like Bryce Cotton just create space. That's your ideal pairing right there. I feel like someone like Jerome Randall would be God level on an eight foot hoop, but I, I don't know why that is. I just think like if the ring was eight foot, the dude would have gone number one in the NBA draft straight up. But I'd also go the breakers and the breakers. I'm more looking at their NBL 20 squad and they just had so many good guards, so many people who could move the ball around, knock it down. They got good bodies, a lot of decent sized wings there as well. And it's really hard to move past Scotty Hobson. So I have to go with the breakers, my second team there. So I hope that satisfies your answers. James, please send me in your answer as well. And any of you cool cats out there, which of the nine NBL teams would win on an eight foot hoop? please feel free to hit me up into my Instagram inbox or you can hit me up on Twitter as well. Let me know. And we've got our second last question here. So this one has come in from a longtime Cool Cat fan of the podcast. And this one's from Cool Cat Brent. And it was, where do I rank the cat, meaning Martin Catalini, in terms of all-time players? Wow. So loaded question. Uh, I love the cat. And I know the person, as I said, who sent this in is a massive fan of the cat as well. So I know he followed him from Perth to Adelaide, back to Perth to finish it all off. So this man was a supporter of the cat, not the cats, which I find to be extraordinary. But where do I rank him? Uh, God, that like, honestly, it's more of, it, it's probably more of a question for the people who had a chance to watch him throughout his entire career week in, week out. That being said, the cat for me is my type of basketballer. Hard nosed, can score, defends the best player on the court very lengthy. I thought he could do it all. I thought in terms of what the game was at the time, I I thought there's no better fit than the cat in the NBL at that time. So that being said, he's a top 20 guy for me personally. He has a trophy named after him. That's when Perth play Adelaide. So there's not other many people with trophies named after them in the NBL. As I said, Gaze and Damo, but being surrounded by those names is NBL royalty. So top 20, maybe if you're, uh, if you're happy with that answer, Cool Cat Brent. I'm going to roll with that one. So moving on to our last question now. And this one's being sent in from Cool Cat Adam. So 
one team from the NBA that would struggle in the NBL. So I did the, <laughs> so I did think and sit down about this one and, and, and really have a hard think about it. And it really came from more of me thinking from a perspective of where do I think our league is in regards to the rest of the world? So our league may not be a top five league in terms of talent. We may be pushing further back towards 10. Who knows? That being said, we fight and we play a specific brand here. That's for sure. We play a very close brand to what they play in the US. And you can see that when we go over there and play them in the exhibition games, we give it to them. We bring them hell. Granted, they're not playing their starters or they're playing limited minutes to their starters. We're still going over there and giving them hell. All that being said, I'm 100% confident that there is no NBA team that would ever struggle in the NBL. Any NBA team to come into the NBL would win the NBL, no doubt. With the NBA restart, turn the television on and watch those guys because they are next level. They knock down everything. So there's no doubt in my mind an NBA team would not struggle in the NBL, would win the NBL. And unfortunately, we're not at that level yet. Hopefully, we keep striving, we keep working, and we get our game to that level. But for the time being, Cool Cat Adam, I can't see that being the case. If you guys have any other questions out there for me, please feel free to hit me up. I'll send out another mailbag for next week's podcast. But that's the pod for today, guys. We've hit on the three big pieces of Perth Wildcats news. We've jumped into a mailbag. Make sure you subscribe, review, and send me the screenshot, and I can swing you through a one-page summary of a current Perth Wildcats player of your choosing. I've had a lot of fun bringing this podcast to you today. This is Podcast 35, uh, the Clint Steindl app. Shout out Clint Steindl, our lethal three-point shooter, now joined on his wing by Todd Blanchfield. Very excited. Looking forward to our next three signings. Hopefully, I'm going to be bringing those to you every week or every two weeks, depending on how quickly the, uh, the news drops. But I'm not sure they're in the biggest rush to get news out there in the COVID situation at the moment. But as always, my name is Mason DeLeo. This is the Cool Cats Corner. Thank you very much for chilling. Much love.